All right, Nick Smart, UFC 260 yesterday. Heavyweight championship changes hands. Does this change the talk that we've been having about Stipe Miocic as the greatest heavyweight of all time? No, I don't think it changes it one bit. I don't think anybody could have taken those punches from Francis Nagano. I'm certainly not faulting Stipe for it. I think he's the GOAT of the heavyweight division, but of course it's a very young sport, so he's not going to be the GOAT forever. But for now, as things stand now, you look at his resume, it's it's almost impossible to deny. And of course, DC will be the first one to remind you, and we all know he has an interest in doing that. DC just hilariously could not be pushed into saying something good about Miocic at all last night. Uh, any anytime they were doing the part where you had to pimp up Stipe, he he wasn't the one talking. He would only talk about how good Nagano was. Yeah, but whenever it's legacy time, he'll be the first one to say Stipe's the goat because, of course, you know he beat Stipe, right? And even right. though he lost to him twice, you can still say, "Hey, I beat the goat. I'm second goat." Um, the other thing, just on the DC front, is I thought it was hilarious how that fight was only over 10 seconds and he was already calling for john jones to get in there and get his ass kicked <laughs> yeah i you know no bias there i yeah does he train with jones or something or no, he, okay. he can't stand jones that okay that, you know i mean they never ended up having their trilogy fight and every time they had a press conference for their fights they put their hands all over and john jones i hate to give him credit can be a decent troll at times and he has just ripped dc a new one over twitter over the years what do you think of the John Jones situation? Because um, I, I've heard multiple points of view. So basically what happened was Jones said, I want more money. Dana said in the post-fight press conference, when guys say they want more money, it means they don't want to fight. Um, my guess is he probably does want more money. But if I'm Dana and I've got Derek Lewis sitting there, who people love, um, it's not as big money a fight, right? You're not going to get as, as much money for that fight as you will John Jones, obviously. But if things still aren't open up, Nagano didn't take that much damage. No. Like, if if we're doing a fight in June and you're still restricted to just Florida and Texas to do indoor shows, um, I, I think you probably just run Lewis out there instead, right? I don't know. It's it's a complicated one. There's some moving parts. I don't think John Jones should be rewarded right away with a heavyweight title shot. Yeah. I think he should have to fight. fight Lewis. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. He should have. To, there should be a number one contenders fight between him and Lewis. Yeah. Winner gets Nagano. We'll give. The, the, here's the bottom line with Stipe. He he could choose to retire. He could choose to demand the trilogy with Francis, but at the end of the day. After that shot last night, we're going to have to give him some time off. So he's going to need four months at least to go away, get rested up, decide what he wants to do. In the meantime, like I said, I think you do Jones and, and Lewis as the number one contenders fight for Nagano. Yeah. I just I have a hard time with Jones going right into a title fight with a never, never having fought at heavyweight. And the last thing I want to say about Jones is this guy sometimes can't get out of his own way when it comes to planning his career. Last night he's saying, show me the money. When he doesn't realize the money fight is with Izzy Adesanya at light heavyweight. That's the money fight. If John Jones is serious about making money in the biggest money fight possible, that's the fight. And he skipped out on it, really. Yep. Because. Oh, he'll be back. We all know that fight's still going to happen. That Adesanya lost to Blahowitz. That's a minor bump in the road. 
Adesanya was playing with house money. I, I you know, that's of course that ship sailed. Oh, I think I think Adesanya though probably realized that putting on that weight doesn't um doesn't allow him the the kind of speed that he's used to. Like he he loses some of his uh gusto for lack of a better term. Uh, well, here's the thing. Adesanya didn't put on a pound for that fight. Oh, well, yeah. He came in 20 pounds underweight basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like his he's He's looking at it opposite than John Jones. John Jones said, "All right, if I'm going to do this, I got to go away for ten months, put on the weight, the healthy way, the real way, stack it up." He looks, he looks thick. He does, he does. Yeah. I mean, you look, look at his two brothers, right? I mean, it's in their genes. It, it wouldn't take much. Me or you could be in the gym seven nights a week, never look like that. John Jones just needs to go in twice a week, That's, yeah. and he'll look like that just by genetics alone, right? It's not fair, but it is what it is. The thing is, is. I don't know, man. I, I just I want to see Adesanya fight Jones. I think that's the fight to make, but it's way down the line because we got to figure this out with Jones at heavyweight. Just to finish up on Izzy, Izzy went the opposite approach. He said, you know what? I don't want to spend time putting on weight and then have to recalibrate all my agility, my athleticism, my instincts, etc. He figured he'd just stand a better uh, chance going in there as things stood. Um, unfortunately, the Polish power had... Uh, had... Um, uh, different ideas right yeah and he just his his power didn't play at that level at what whatever fucking weight he came rolling in there at yeah uh what would it be two probably 200 light heavyweight because heavyweight light heavyweight the max is 205 yeah so izzy probably went in there buck 90 yeah buck 85 and the thing about Jan, of course, is yeah, he cuts down to two hundred five, but we all know he's probably oh yeah, Jan's yeah, Jan's Jan's walking around as a big boy for sure, big boy. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about Kevin Holland quick? Yeah, we could go back. We could do, I, I listen. That guy was a joke. Like I don't know what yeah, to tell you. It was, it, you know, it was awkward. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing um, for the sport. Like yeah, I, I and I don't throw that kind of shit around easily, no, frankly. No, but like. It, it was cute early on. It was funny when he when he yelled down to Khabib for wrestling advice, the you know between round one and two. But yeah. anything after that yeah. was ill timed, wrong place. I mean, when you're on the ground getting your ass kicked and you're still doing it, it's real weird. Um, I thought Dana probably took it too far when he claimed that Holland had a mental breakdown in there. He compared it to. Uh, uh, I forget the guy's name that fought Lennox Lewis and just kept his hands down and didn't want to fight and stop and started crying. Uh, Oliver McCall, I think, was Buddy's name. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a good comparison, um, but yeah, I'm not sure Kevin Holland had a mental breakdown. I just think that he views that because his nickname is Big Mouth, right? And I think he just views that as his shtick. And some people, when they're facing adversity and, and losing or failing at something, they overcompensate and try to act like it's no big deal. I think some of that was that. Um, and he did go on social media afterwards, and he said, I never claimed I wanted to be champion, so I'm going to keep being myself. If you don't like it, deuces. So, you know. I mean, I mean, fine, but if, uh, you know, if I'm – if I'm UFC and I've got a guy out there just saying I don't want to be champion, then I'm like, okay, go go fight for Bellator then. Wait, that's that's just it, right? Dana has said many times, 
the second we don't think you can compete for a championship, we cut you. Yeah. Look look at Dos Santos. Look at Alistair Overman. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but Tyrone Woodley is next. He's got to be. He's got to yeah. be. Let's actually um, let, let's talk about that fight. Now, I am going to like do a, a a minor flex here. I looked it up. Adesanya weighed in at 200.5. So he's only four, four or five pounds lighter. Um, he did. I thought he did look a little thicker and a little slower when when we watched that fight, um, which I was in Saskatoon for. So we we actually haven't had a chance to talk about that one either. Um, Woodley gets submitted in the first round, like, and he was hurt for a, like, you know, and he was very he was like hurt. He didn't get knocked out. The, cold. the fact that it was a submission and not a knockout was like uh, an absolute joke, uh, or like just like. A joke in the sense that like Woodley just got saved by the ref not being super efficient in saving him. Yep. And as some people say, the universal sign in MMA of I give up is when they just give you your back and say, choke me out. Right. Let's let's get this over with. Least damage as possible. Yeah. Um I heard a couple people say like, Oh, he came out looking pretty good for the first minute. I'm like, he came out aggressively. I don't think he did any damage. He you know, I I didn't see anything out of Woodley in that fight that concerned me no luke luke vincente luke was never in trouble for a moment yeah um woodley was on skates for the most of it just trying to keep his balance uh because he was hurt he was rocked and like i said with tyron woodley before he's had one foot in one foot out for far too long if you go to tmz right now you scroll to the bottom you will see his mug in a promo for his work on there we all know he does rap albums on the side he's Here's the other thing. He's GSP's age. He's, I think he's actually a couple months older than GSP. He's 39 years old. Most people don't realize that. Dana's going to cut him. That's, you know, if if the numbers are correct, UFC still has 35, 40 guys to go. If that number 60 was correct, we're only about 15, 20 deep. And, yeah, I, I just think, I mean, where do you go with, from here with Woodley? If he can't beat guys like Vincente Luque, what are we going to do with him? And if he wants to keep fighting, it's going to have to be under Scott Coker and Bellator. I really do think. Yeah. Uh, and not making that much money, which makes lots of guys lose interest real fast as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys on skates, Thomas Almeida, uh, you, you know, we can talk about Almeida, but really it is the return of Sean O'Malley. And mm-hmm. as a person who had bet Sean O'Malley to win by knockout, uh, I was getting real nervous given that he had a clear chance to finish it in the first round and mm-hmm. did his Steph Curry gig where he lands a punch and starts walking away because he thinks it's over. Yep. Um, Almeida's a tough motherfucker. And Almeida's a tough motherfucker, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then in the third round, finally, he kind of does it again and like looks at the ref like, uh, are you going to make me kill the guy? Yeah. Um, and then proceeds to go in and kill the guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, last that was an execution. Scared. Like was, that, yeah. Was. Yeah. And that's on the ref. Yeah, that's, I don't know. What do you do as the ref, though, right? Like, because that, that wasn't enough to call the fight. No, I know. Um, and Almeida, even though he was on his back, he had his hands kind of in his face. But yep. once we saw that punch land, he had he didn't see it. Yeah. Like, he, he didn't see that punch coming. And it was a haymaker that wound up like a Tim Tebow windmill throw. Yeah. And and O'Malley is so lanky that, like, yeah. the angles are all different, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, those he, those haymakers come from different angles. His length causes problems. Uh, high praise last night. Teddy Atlas on Twitter yeah, saw that. said he hasn't seen someone so unorthodox and so skilled in quite 
uh, an amount of time. And people say, oh, well, Teddy Atlas, he's a boxing guy. No, 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 no. He's a fight past, guy. Yeah, past couple of years, he has been huge in the MMA. Training guys, giving guys advice, following the sport. He's, he's a fight guy now. He's not just a boxing guy. Well, and he's not an idiot too, right? He knows no, where the money's exactly. going to be. Yeah. So, no, exactly. You right. know, it's There's like Steve, Steven Brunt's a big boxing guy, you know, but he, yep. he's also spent the last five years following UFC now because he, has. he figured I out watched, where the fight uh, game is. Yep. I watched him interview uh, Ariel Hawani a couple weeks back. Not sure if it was an old interview, but I did watch it nevertheless. Um, quick thing on Sean O'Malley. Like, you know, I've got some people in my personal life who like him a lot. Um, I'm very loyal, loyal to Megan Anderson, who we haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, I hate to say I told you so about her Amanda Nunes fight, but anyone who thought she had a chance, I mean, that was just all we needed to see there. But there's no shame in losing to Amanda Nunes, as, as we've said many times before. But back to the Sean O'Malley thing. Maybe it's my loyalty to Megan Anderson. I don't know what it is, but I've soured on Sean O'Malley. Um, I thought the way the past couple months how he's talked about that Marlon Vera loss has just been flat out fucking nuts like delusional uh, delus- yeah delusional yeah. narcissistic nuts in the open and in the opening when he's introduced and they introduce him as 12 and 1 he's holding up his hand as a zero at the yeah, camera I mean, like yeah, it's fucking I've I I don't like this guy anymore and I was almost rooting for him to lose last night now that was a badly needed W for him to get back on his hype train, uh, you know, his his ascension. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I recognize that he's, that he's a skilled fighter, but I, I just think I think his content's a mess. I, I think everything he says is fucking ridiculous. And, yeah, I've just – there's many guys – it takes a lot for me to sour on a fighter, and I have soured on Sean O'Malley. I think we also got to talk about the fact that like this guy, you know, folks talk about, um, you know, him being able to go for the the title at some point. I don't see it. That's not a body structure that is going to hold up. Nope. Um, And they did note that going into last night, 40% of his fights had ended prematurely due to injury. Right. It's a big number. Yeah. Now he hasn't had a lot of fights, but 40%. That's uh, that's his 13th fight. Right. So, yeah. Um, a lot and a lot of it like you said um you're the one who always says uh, health is a skill right yep and even though it's ticky tack stuff it's still like come on man at some point it's like you you guys stay healthy and and i'll tell you when it's the leg with him right because both i think two of those injuries have been legs it's yep. one, one was, leg and then the other right yeah and it was Marlon vera teeing off on his calf and it uh it's like uh greg williams when he was with the saints he used to say you attack the head and it kills the body well, in this case, you attack the calf and it kills the foot. He ended up with drop foot plantar fascia. Yeah, and so, like, there's nothing there on his legs. Like, I don't know. Like, if you look at his body type, those legs are sticks. Yep. And so He's skinny all around. Yeah. So, I, you know, you want to talk about, you know, twelve and one? It's like no. Vera had a plan. He executed it and fucking put you on the bench for a year. Yep. Um, absolutely. And on that note. Conor McGregor tweeted out a picture of him on the beach. His calf is still fucked. Oh, I'm sure. From the Poirier fight. I'm still, sure. Like, it, like it, it literally looks like, uh, you know, that guy in Russia that injects all that serum into his arms to have big biceps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind like, of thing, it, eh? Yeah, it looks like Conor's been self-injecting his calf. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to talk about this Miranda Maverick-Jillian Robertson fight, actually. Uh, 
which is probably a surprise. I'm not usually big into undercard lady fights. Uh, and, And the main reason is a topic we actually talk about a lot is the judging. Like, I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I thought it was a very clear 29, 28 for Miranda Maverick. Uh, she won the first Robertson won the second, she won the third. Uh, there's some argument to be made that maybe she should have got a 10, eight in the third, but I, I didn't think so. Um, one judge had it 30, 27, two, two judges had it 30, 27 for Maverick gave her the second round. She spent four minutes on the ground, uh, like, Robertson had ground control for four minutes and and they got up and Maverick landed a couple punches for sure, mm. but nothing like she didn't knock her down or anything, right? She did a bit of damage, mm. but I, you know, I don't see how you give her that second round. If you spend four minutes on the ground, you can never get into an offensive position. Um, Robertson's just keeping complete control of you over that whole time. Uh, you know, the the outcome was correct. Maverick should have got the win. I think she's actually a, a really exciting young fighter. Um, you got to love her personality. I don't know if you listen to, like, the post-fight press conference, but just, like, good old girl, you know, like, just thank you, thank you very much. I just try to get better and, like, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and she's got the body type that you could see that eventually maybe she could fight Shevchenko. So, I'm I, like, I, none of this is a dig on Maverick. I just, man, you wonder, you wonder about the judging sometimes because, you know, four of those five main card fights uh, ended in the ring. And increasingly, I'm thinking if you're in this sport and you want to be a champion, you better not let it go to the judges because who the hell knows what's going to happen. I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, if you take someone down and hold them there for four out of five minutes, that's you win the round. Really? No questions asked. Yeah. If you get knocked down, if you get up and, and, and she throws a punch and it like knocks you off your feet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Knockdowns. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, that, that was wild. And, so, um, go last ahead. two years. Sorry. Continue. No, I was going to move on to the last fight. So go, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, just two last things I have to get off my chest UFC wise is we did spend some time talking about Kevin Holland there. Shout out to Derek Brunson who dominated him and won the fight. I, I think we do need to mention Derek Brunson's name. Yeah. Not uh, sure where he goes next though, you know? Well, that's just it, right? I mean, he's kind of been a gatekeeper type. Uh, I'd like to see him keep getting ranked guys and, and maybe it's one last title run, right? I mean, geez, the last two fights, he's looked really good and, yeah, I mean, if Kev- if Kevin Holland had won that fight, good things were on the way for him. So shouldn't it be the same for Derek Brunson? Yeah, you, um, you would think. Yeah, well, you would hope, right? Um, and the other thing I want to get on my chest was we hadn't talked Leon Edwards, Blah Muhammad. Um, it's already sounding like Blah Muhammad's going to get screwed out of that rematch, which I don't think. Now, let me be straight. This isn't a fair sport. So when I say something's unfair, you know, there's going to be a lot of that in sport. But I do think Bilal Muhammad deserves... I mean, he was clearly fouled. He was fouled to the point that he almost lost his vision. Almost lost his eye. Almost lost his fucking eye, yeah. Yeah, and then Leon Edwards is now talking like, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not fighting him again. Give me, you know, give me either a title fight or a number one contenders fight. I have no problem with good things happening for Leon Edwards with the past two years he's had. But at the end of the day, you almost just poked a guy's eye out, and now you're, like... I... I... Just, I I don't want to see Bilal Muhammad get screwed here. What do you think? I 
I think it's a little difficult only because he was so very clearly losing. Yeah. No, he was. That, Beyond that, like, phenomenal. That first round didn't look close, and it was no. like it was going to take. Right. You're right. He seemed outclassed. No, you're right. You're right. I guess if it had been closer, you're right. Yeah, I. It, but like, I, just, I, I agree I with it's, you because it's like yeah. it. It was a no contest. You, he didn't get to go into deep water, which I think was probably his plan. There's no way that he was thinking he was going to win that in the first round, right? Yeah, yeah. And Mohammed's a grinder, right? He's a he's like a wrestler type, and yeah, he was looking to drag Leon into deep water for sure. So, uh, Leon Edwards, who had been on the sidelines for you know hadn't fought in over a year, right? So there's yeah. that too. Yeah, I I'm, I'm going to say something really shitty. Um, I, I I am sure the UFC, regardless of what happened, I am positive that the UFC does not like their fighters crying in the ring. No. I, I'm i not going to say it has no, everything to do with it, but I think it's like got to be part of the decision-making. Um, like what he did scared. he do for his brand? Oh, my God, of course. He couldn't see he out of scared. his eye. Like, he thought it yeah. might have popped out for fuck's sakes. Yeah. You know? He was scared, and I think a lot of it, too. Uh, sometimes uh, marathon runners, after they finish a marathon, will just start crying just because of the affect and what your body's been through and the emotions. You know, you train for a year for this thing. And I think with Bilal Muhammad, this was his biggest chance. This was his first main event. And to to wait and to grind and to finally get it and then have someone else poke you in the eye and, you know, nothing you've done and you get that opportunity ripped from you. I think it was half that emotion and half, oh, my God, am I going to be living the rest of my life as a blind man and whatnot. Okay, well, let's ask, an, I, let's ask an uncomfortable question then too, though, He did right? cry like a baby, though. He 100% did. If he – because uh, the, the thing that stops the fight – is that the doctor comes in and says, can you see out of that eye? And he instantly goes, no, I can't see nothing. I can't see nothing. Right? If this happened in the third round and he's up 3 nothing, do you think that happens that way still? Yeah, it's tough. It's That's a real tough one. You have a point. You're probably right there. Um, but I also do think that he wanted to keep going. Right, like Oh, I don't was, I don't think that at all. He was no. I, I think he was getting his ass handed to him in that first round and uh The way I read some of the emotion was that it was that he couldn't continue on. I, right. I think he wanted to keep going. I just thought, I think he thought that he honestly couldn't and it, it's it's almost in some ways similar to the Aljamain Sterling Peter Yawn thing. Like it's always weird when the ref asks the fighter who's just been fouled like, can you keep going? Yeah. You know? It's kind of, they, they should probably take that away. You know, like at some point, some fighters going to answer yes and end up in the hospital type thing. I also think there's lots of times you just don't fucking need their input. No. Like this, not. this eye poke. Especially with a knee to the face. Yeah. The like eye poke, Sterling. you didn't need it. The knee to the face, you didn't need it. Like no. it, you, you knew what was happening there no. already. No, exactly. Um, I'm I'm looking at the UFC rankings right now. Uh, Brunson moved up to number four. Okay, good for him. Uh, so that that creates was, some interesting situations. He was calling for Paula Costa, and Paula yep. Costa had just pulled out of the Robert Whitaker fight. Um, so 
I don't know if they're going to get him and Whitaker back together. I don't know what happens there, but yeah. if they need somebody for Paula Costa, I think Derek Brunson's a good... I'd watch that fight. The most hilarious thing on the UFC ranking page is the women's featherweight division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, and, and for those of you yeah. who haven't seen it, it's just blank. They have no... There, it shows Amanda Nunes is champion yeah. and nothing underneath. Yep. They don't why, even have 15 bodies at that weight class. That's <laughs> why Megan Anderson got the title shot. That's why she's no longer with the UFC. And that's why Dana has said that division will continue as long as Nunez wants to defend that title. We all know what that means. As yeah. soon as Nunez is no longer interested in defending that title. They just that retired the division. Yeah, because yeah. 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 they can't find the bodies. It sucks. Well, because they, they created that division for... Um... Cyborg. Yeah. Cyborg, that's right. So... You know, like it might be a thing that it's like there. It's just going to be that every so often there is a transcendent woman who can fight at that weight class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, unless this... you get crossover of transcendent women, we shouldn't be yeah. like holding out for that. The scary thing is Amanda Nunes claims that is where she feels best in the ring is at that weight class because she doesn't she can eat whatever she wants. She doesn't have to go through any weight cutting yeah. any misery she can just go out there and fight she's got all her full power her full strength her full energy so uh <laughs> good luck beating her ever yeah um and can i say quickly with amanda like we're pretty much out of nothing for her left to do uh, oh this is one... this is all gravy for her at this point yeah it, it is um yeah. the last woman to beat her uh kat zingano is now in bellator so they can't even run that one back i think the only left the only thing left for her to do is beat uh valentina the bullet one more time and she's um, already done that twice yeah and that's why i say just do it one more time and you have to make valentina go up for that too you're not gonna make somebody who goes bantamweight featherweight drop down to fly they could do a catch weight, maybe. I think that's maybe what they'll have to do. Yeah, but then it's not uh, for any of the belts, right? No. Valentina so. has a fight coming up against, uh, oh, jeez. Well, Jessica Andrade. So, yeah. you know, Shevchenko still has some business to take care of. I'm sure Shevchenko will take care of uh, Andrade on UFC 261. I'm, 261 is, I am so hyped for that card. Let's be real clear. I think it's a Another bad idea. <laughs> to to yeah, have an indoor yeah. event with a bunch of UFC fans who, as yeah. we, I'm sure, are the first in line to get vaccinated. Yeah, um, especially a card in Florida with uh, Gamebred Masvidal headlining it. Um, yeah, the local boy, right? So, uh, yeah, that like, that, that thing's going to turn into a riot real fast if Masvidal exactly. loses. Yeah. By the way, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, um, cool to see Whaley Zhang back in action. Uh, I had a feeling it was going to be Rose Thug Rose because. Other than running it back with uh, Joanna Champion. Well, I think that's really... the fight everyone wants to see, too. It, I, is. it is. And and I think what they're thinking is they're not going to put that... They're not going to make that a co-main event again. If they run back Zhang, Joanna, yeah. they're, that's that's your headliner. Yep. Um, uh, fair for Zhang to be like, hey, I why do I have to run it back? I beat her once already. Scorecard could have gone either way, in my opinion, for that fight. But, oh, it was, like totally it fair. Was, it was a bloodbath. It was a war. They yeah. have to run that. One way. of the best fights I've ever seen. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is after Wei Lee takes care of Thug Rose, which I'm sure she will, 
there's it's kind of like Amanda. There's really very little options for her, so it's kind of by default. Let's get her back in there with Joanna. Um, let's, l- let me just make one more note about this insane UFC rankings page. Uh, they also have a men's pound for pound. Uh, I'm not sure how often you look at this. Would you like to guess who number one is? I think it's still Khabib, isn't it? Or it's, no, uh, Khabib John is retired. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. John Jones. Yeah. Are you well, kidding see, me? Khabib, Khabib had demanded that he be number one on that before he retired. So. Okay. For the past couple of weeks, he actually was on there until Dana couldn't talk him out of it last week. Right. But, yeah, I, it was John Jones before Khabib, so now that Khabib's gone, I'm sure it's Jones again. This John Jones thing is a joke. Like, I I, I don't know how you put Jones there above Usman, who's been just completely dominant at his weight class. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in an Usman Adesanya fight one day. I think that's yeah. my favorite. It's interesting. Usman has a lot of the money fights right now. You know, yeah. they're they're going to run back that Masvidal fight. They're going to run back Covington, Covington, I bet. Yep. And then at some point, Leon Edwards is going to get a shot too. Yep. I um, agree 100%. So uh, those are three yeah. immensely interesting night, fights. Yeah, absolutely. And as of last night, of course, uh, three African champions now. Kamaru Usman, Nigeria, Francis Naganu, Cameroon. And Izzy Adesanya, Nigeria via New Zealand. Um, so, uh, as Francis mentioned last night, Dana is going to be forced at some point to uh, do a UFC Rumble in the Jungle oh, style in and Africa. Th- they they'd sell out a stadium. They could sell yeah. seventy thousand tickets to that thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you wanted to go to UFC two sixty one in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, it would cost you two hundred and eighty dollars just to get in the door. Worst yeah. seats in the building, two eighty. Um, mean, yeah, that's a lot like, of money for nosebleeds. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, but I mean, you know, full night of fights versus pay per view price. I don't know. Yeah. Sadly, I'm I'm such a hardcore fan now that you know I, I pay for that. Uh, I would be remiss talking about the Bilal Muhammad situation if I did not bring up my wife's suggestion for ensuring that uh, these guys don't get poked in the eye. Uh, mittens. I think we should make these guys start wearing mittens. And that'll that'll solve not, most of our problems. It's not the worst idea in the world. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I don't know if it's the gloves in Pride or K1 or 1FC. The ones that, like, are... force the fingers in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They make the fingers curl. They're yeah. like kickboxing gloves. Um, I think that's the future. Joe Rogan's talked about it on his podcast. They got to figure something out because he came awfully close to losing that eye. He did. Yeah. He did. And we all know, yeah, that's going to happen at some point. Absolutely. Uh, look at Michael Bisbing. Michael Bisbing has a glass eye as we speak. Yeah. Uh, last thing on this UFC, Jamie Malarkey beat up on Kama Worthy. Uh, a little surprising, like caught him with a punch and then and ended up finishing it. Uh, Worthy's a scary, scary man, though. So I'm not, I, you know, I'm not super interested in um, declaring him dead. I think he's got a lot of potential still. Um, but this Malarkey kid looks really good. There's a lot of power there. And just sneaky, sneaky power um, that we don't take seriously. And then all of a sudden, I think we're going to eventually realize, like, okay, well, you know, enough guys have been knocked out now. Um, You know, what's that look like? 
I see he uh, is an Australian. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what this looks like when those are up when the rankings are updated. Uh, I guess Monday. The National Football League is in the off season. There have been many trades. There have been many free agent signings. Is there any particular story from the month that I have been uh, a businessman doing business that you would like to talk about? Well, let's see. Um, as far as my Jets go, I did not like the Corey Davis signing. I thought that was overpaying for a guy that we haven't seen much out of. Um, I did like the Carl Lawson signing, uh, underrated defensive end from the Bengals who were bringing over. Love that. Uh, we picked up one of my favorite defenders in Sheldon Rankins from the Saints. Always love when we add to our D-line. Love that. Uh, I see the Cowboys picked up former Pro Bowl safety Keanu Neal from the Falcons, reuniting with Dan Quinn uh, in Dallas. I love that addition. One-year, $5 million deal. How can that go wrong, right? I, I love that. Um, hmm, let's see what else we got here. Nelson Aguilar, one of the Patriots uh, spending spree guys. Of course, the two big name tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jones Smith. Yeah, let's let's talk was, about that yeah, for a second. No, absolutely. I was waiting to come on here as free agency was opening and calling for someone to sign Jones Smith. I didn't think it was going to be Belichick, but I have to tell you, I, I love the move. So I think it's wild seeing – the Patriots spend money like this. Um, desperate money from a desperate man. It feels desperate for sure. I, I think to a certain extent it makes sense, right? We're in a market where you're going to be able to underpay some guys, right? It's not going to be that competitive because there's a lot of teams that are having cap pressure when teams just got used to never having cap pressure. Uh, oftentimes it was like every year the cap was going to go up by 10 or 20 million and you could set your watch to it. And now all of a sudden you got a bunch of teams that were planning on that and it's actually gone down. I think it was 15 um, and and bunch of teams are just strapped. So you've got less competition and therefore you can presumably get guys signed for fewer dollars than you would usually have to. So it makes sense to be aggressive in this spot. And I think directionally, the idea of Saving the money you would spend on a tier one quarterback and getting a tier three quarterback instead, but surrounding them with weapons might actually be the future because I am increasingly uh, pessimistic around the hopes for teams that have 40 to $50 million of their cap space tied up on their quarterback. Yep. Uh, Unless you it's, increasingly likely that unless Pat Mahomes is your quarterback, you need your quarterback to basically be on his rookie deal. Yeah. Really be a year in year out contender. And, and now, by, let's are, hold on, hold on. Keep in mind, yeah. Pat Mahomes was on his rookie deal for all those years that he was competitive. That extension hasn't kicked in yet. So I was just going to say there's, you know, the odd Aaron Rodgers. there's the odd Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's taken less money over the years. And I think Aaron Rodgers is... Tom Brady has always taken less, and Aaron Rodgers has lost. He hasn't... No, I know. You know. I know. But, you know, it's... I think the Packers are going to be back again next year. I'm not 
especially with Aaron. That's the other thing. Aaron Jones, everybody thought he was leaving town. Yeah. Um, not your father's or grandfather's Green Bay Packers anymore. Um, R.I.P. Ted Thompson. Uh, yeah. This Brian Gunkers guy, he is uh, not messing around. He's keeping guys in free agency now. Everybody had pretty much already penciled Aaron Jones for the Dolphins. Uh, but no, he resigns for four years, 48 mil. I think they really should have taken a look at Juju. Like, I'm happy to have Juju back, but the the Packers need to look at their weapon situation. Yep. Because <laughs> what the they got Love. ain't it. Yeah, because we all know the Jordan Love picture to have been a receiver, right? I mean, that's, yep. that's one thing that his uh, 2020 has made crystal clear. Um, yeah, Smith-Schuster back in Pittsburgh on a, it's a one-year deal, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's basically yeah, just mean, trying to reset the market, right? Yep. Yeah, a lot of guys are taking one-year deals, and like you said, coming back next year when the cap is expected to get back to uh, post-COVID normal. And I have I have no doubt Juju, like Juju might want to stay in Pittsburgh long-term, but if I'm Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm like, I want to see that you have a plan for after Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. And if that plan is Mason Rudolph, I would like to play somewhere else. Well, didn't I feel like they brought in a quarterback? Uh, well, they brought in Haskins. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just, That's which is probably an upgrade over Rudolph, but he who is, knows? He is. Yeah, you know. he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know the Jets and the Raiders were on were in on Smith Schuster, but yeah, I guess like you said, he's quite happy in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and uh, you get to do a lot of branding, and you know, yeah, no, exactly, yeah. right. And you know, he's known for his. His TikTok's worth as much as his contract at this point. Like, I, I bet you he makes as much money off social media as he does. Yep, Twitch, all that. Yeah. Yep. And does that still happen if you're, like, on the Raiders? Yeah, true. You know. Absolutely. Um, just on the Steelers' note, uh, do we want to touch on Bud Dupree? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to see the guy go. He was a good Steeler, a really good player. Um, but you can't pay him that much. I, I understand why you had to let him go. And I'll tell you this, like you look at some of the options that are still available at edge rusher. Um, if you can convince Melvin Ingram or Jadavion Clowney to come play opposite uh, TJ Watt. Uh, Ingram would be awesome. It, that's a, that's a scary, scary, scary situation again. Right. Um, with Alden that Smith. Yeah. I, so, with all that said, the the defense got much worse when Bud Dupree went down, and uh, he was he was on pace to have as good a year as he did the previous. Now, how much of that comes because he's across the way from T.J. Watt? Probably a fair bit. T.J. gets all the double teams; he gets to eat after that. Um, but T.J.'s production fell off a cliff after he went down. The whole and, and you know if your pass rush falls back, then your coverage all of a sudden doesn't look quite as good. And that you know, there's a direct line between the Pittsburgh Steelers giving up more points and Bud Dupree being injured. Um, so for that reason, I'm concerned. But the Steelers find way, find ways to figure this stuff out. So I'm not going to lose any sleep over any of that. Mm-hmm. So um, what are they going to do a running back? Because it sounds like Connor's not going to be back. Um, do they draft, draft a guy in the third round. Who cares? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want to go absolutely nuts and draft someone in the first round, I'm not going to like it, but I'll live with it. 
Um, but I'll tell you a lot of like a lot of the mocks I'm looking at have like two running backs in the first round, and and I yeah, it's not a not a good running back here. Yeah, but I do, I don't get I you know I've been saying this for years. If you're drafting a running back in the first round, you're drafting wrong. Um, and I so I hope the Steelers don't do that. If they go and get another wide receiver, I'm gonna put a gun in my mouth. Like let's, like I think we're fine at wideout, guys. We can stop with that shit. Mm, yeah. um, but, I, I think I think with Pouncey retiring, I think with uh, Alejandro, they gotta do something I, up front. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be over. Yeah, and if they can grab Ben's successor, all the better. And Ben can't move, so like it's gotta be up front. No, yeah, you know. Um, I've... plenty more to go. I mean, you know, we can just keep going with this stuff if you want. What do you think about Gerald Everett in Seattle? I thought that was a weird one. Um, yeah, I I hope Pete Carroll uses him. Uh, I know they lost David Moore to the Panthers. Uh, but between Metcalf and and uh, oh jeez, what's his name? The speedy guy. Anyway, um, having a brain fart there on uh on uh, their speedy wide out. Anyway, I just, I, I, I want to see Gerald. E- I, sorry. Lock it. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler yeah. Lockett. My bad. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see Gerald Everett go somewhere where he was actually going to be utilized because yeah. we all know he was, you know, rotting behind Higby last year. Um, and honestly, outside of one three TD game by Higby, I thought Everett was the better tight end all year. So, you know, I, I kind of like the fit, but, I kind of feel like he's not going to get used enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've i never thought that Seattle was particularly good at utilizing tight ends, and they always spend a little bit of money on it too because they've had some guys through there. They had Jimmy Graham go through there. Um, Luke Greg Wilson Washington. was there for a while. Um, you know, these these guys are legitimate players, and I don't feel like, you know, it's not as big a part of their game. Um, I guess the theory is if you're going to run the ball as much as they do, then you're going to have a tight end in there a lot of the time. And when you want to run the play action, it's good to have somebody marginally competent at catching the ball. Okay. Uh, I don't know that it's like $6 million worth of value in a year when everybody's cap pinched already. Um, in the same stroke, I like I just don't understand Seattle, period, right? These guys spent $14.5 million on Chris Carson for two years like mm. you're gonna spend seven million on a c-tier running back mm, who can't stay healthy who can't stay healthy yeah who has mileage yeah. um I, and mileage at 26 you know yeah. um, I, I thought they should have been in on leonard fournette uh he of course re-upped uh in tampa shout out to tampa for bringing back all the guys that nobody thought the, every starter every yep. starter's back yeah they gave uh shaq barrett the money he deserved uh they franchise tag godwin um, and they're just Dominic in Sue one year deal. Uh, Fournette got his deal. Yeah, they're yeah, just they, in they... full blown flag fly forever mode here, no, and exactly. I I respect yeah. it. Yeah, you can tell Tom said, "Hey, I'll take whatever pay cut I need. Go get uh, basically everyone signed except for Antonio Brown right now." Yeah, um, we we've talked this long. We have not talked about the most insane contract of the off season so far. Uh. The Dallas Cowboys re-signed Dak Prescott in what is essentially a four-year, $160 million season. Or per $160 million deal that works out to $40 million a season. And that's and that's the only reason it's insane. Like, you and I have always kind of disagreed about Prescott's upside and general value to a team. 
even if I take your view of him being like pretty fucking good, uh, uh, you know, uh, a one a right. Like if, if one is the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers tier, Dak Prescott's in that tier right under it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not top five, but he's top seven. Yeah. That's probably a good way to put it. Yeah, he's six uh, or seven. He's not top five. Yeah. Coming off this injury, how do you give this guy 160 million? Like, it sounds like most of those first four years are basically guaranteed. Like, this is a four-year deal. So if this guy's leg is fucked, a guy who, by the way, mobility was a significant part of his game. Um, and and the stats of with Zeke and without Zeke are troubling. Also, are Zeke's numbers when he was in the lineup last year. Right. So, you know, your offensive line isn't as good. Your star running back, maybe in part because your offensive line isn't as good, is not going to be as productive. Plus um, age, yeah. We've got age and we've got COVID. We, like, we're starting to see yeah. with these guys who got COVID, there is a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that trend is not positive. So, no. the, the, I mean, just in the general public, the latest science now says that even the people who are recovering still have somewhat compromised lung, somewhat compromised nervous system for as long as a year afterwards. Yeah. And and that's and that's only because it's only been around a year. We don't know if it's is it five years? It is be, it ten years? Is it forever? Irreparable damage for some lungs, absolutely. Um so this this deal is uh, I, I, there's no way I unless they get this is a ring or bust deal, you know? Um a team that has not been to a conference championship in 20 years. Like, it's been some time. As I like to say, Jerry Jones is not a young man. Yeah. Well, he's he's swinging. I, I think there's a lot of risk that this is a miss. Um, and I think he was worried about the optics of his guy getting injured. And then what if he go? what if you don't sign him and then he goes somewhere else and he tears it up, right? Goes to Philly and wins a ring. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah um and then jerry jones goes to you know his deathbed knowing that right yeah that i think he, i think he'd rather go all in that would actually be what put him in his deathbed well exactly oh, yeah. i'm sure it would right yeah no i mean they obviously talked to the doctors they obviously took a look at whatever rehab stage he was in and felt pretty good about it now yeah i mean until we see him weak one in live firing action it's we're not gonna know and who's to say he takes a hit and it happened you know like yeah not everything heals the same and it was it it broke the skin let's not forget that either right it was a compound fracture yeah it was it was it was grisly it was one of the ones they don't show on tv it's they did not show a replay yeah we had to we had to go rewind ourselves yeah and i mean you know as good of a story as alex smith was last year every time he took a hit we all held our breath yep. and i'm sure for to some extent it's going to be like that with dak next year yeah I'll, I'll tell you like when we watched that play live i i'm pretty sure the first thing i said was oh no i think his foot shoe just fell off yep didn't realize the foot was still in the shoe yeah yeah uh <laughs> yeah it's grisly um Maybe second behind that for questionable deals, in my opinion, would be Kenny Galladay to the Giants. Uh, I, I sorry, like hold on. Let me. Uh, let, if he stays healthy, I like it. 
So health is a skill. So like that's part of my thought there too. But the exactly. the other piece is who the fuck's throwing him the ball? You're well, telling me Danny Dimes is no, all of a sudden going to become yeah, a fucking no, superstar out there? No, no. It, it's a desperate move by a desperate front office to have one more desperate shot to prove that their desperate quarterback pick could still work out. Like it, it's like Trubisky only one year later type thing. Yeah. Um, like it's obvious to anybody this time last year <laughs> that Jones isn't a starting quarterback. Uh, well, and, and yeah, it's just, you know, it, I, I think it's one of these ones where like, okay, at least now we know he has no more excuses left. You know, like it's kind of like the front office is able to sleep at night now, you know? Yeah. Joe, I mean, Joe thing, judge did have, did kind of figure it out with Danny dimes. Cause he was like, Oh, you can actually run. Maybe just yeah. run. Do do that, yeah. but like he's he took a couple of hits and all of a sudden he was just injured. So yeah, I don't know that that's a long term plan. Yeah, and I mean Kenny Galladay, uh, they let go of Golden Tate, so now you've got Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and uh, oh man, I'm having a bad night for names. Uh, the big guy uh, Slayton, the big deep yeah. threat. Um, yeah, it's not that's not a lot of skill there still. No, it's not. They brought in Kyle Rudolph at tight end. They've still got Ingram at tight end. Yeah. I missed the Rudolph uh, thing. So did he just get a trade or no, he's, he demanded his release um, because it was clear they were going the Earth Shepherd way. Right. But the, didn't they way. just give him a bunch of money last year? I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Extended. He, yeah. he wanted a, an opportunity where he, it's weird. Um, he wanted an opportunity where he was going to be the guy and yet he ends up in New York. So I almost feel like he didn't choose. Maybe they did trade him. I'm going to look into that. Um, yeah. And of course, Barkley's coming back, right? Like we're assuming Saquon's going to be healthy. Yep. Uh, interesting quote from Kyle Rudolph comparing Daniel Jones to Andrew Luck. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, Rudolph signed with the Giants on March 24th, so he willingly signed there, knowing Evan Ingram was there. So that's weird to say that to get out of Minnesota and then sign somewhere where you're going to be the clear backup, but. Evan Ingram struggled catching the ball last year, so... I mean, Ingram might be the backup. Ingram had some real bad drops. He did. He had, like, real, real bad drops there. He did. Um, Yeah. So, Um, you know, this is... It's make or break time for Jones. And last quick note on Kenny Galladay. Um, When healthy, a clear alpha dog, number one wideout. The only issue was... I guess the reason he was greeted by a colder market than anticipated is teams had questions why he didn't play those last couple games for Detroit. Turns out it was his hip, but I guess Joe Judge brought him in, made him run like wind sprints for a whole afternoon, and then said, okay, I sign off on that. Right. Game is money. Okay. Um, if, if he's out there, I think he's going to produce. Now, fantasy-wise, he's got a lot more uh, competition than he did in Detroit for receptions. So it's going to be hard to get the same amount of volume. But, you know, I, I still think uh, you could do much worse in your fantasy draft than getting Kenny Galladay is like your second yeah, yeah. receiver. I, I, yeah, I think that's fair. I just don't know that I, – I, I think if you're in the NFL, you don't want him as your number one, uh, especially when you don't have a quarterback. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um Dalton to the Bears is the most... It's like a match made in heaven. It's just fucking mediocrity squared. And how sad is it that this will be the best quarterback Allen Robinson has caught a pass from? Yeah. Because he went from Bortles in Jacksonville to Trubisky in Chicago. And now 
it's weird to say, but Andy Dalton is his big upgrade. So what I'm getting at is the freshly franchised Tag Allen Robinson could be in for a big year. Like always. I mean, he's pretty disgruntled, but we'll we'll see yeah. how that goes. Yes. I, I think he'll uh, – he realizes he's playing for a payday next year. That should keep him in line. But, yeah, no, it's uh, – you know, my brother's a Bears fan. He wanted Russell Wilson. All Bears fans wanted Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then they ended up with Andy Dalton. So I think that's enough said right there. You can just imagine how they feel. Um, just on a Bears note, Ryan Pace is a mess. Ryan Pace, the GM's a problem in Chicago, has been for a while – prime example as we're talking free agency uh malcolm floyd no not malcolm floyd leonard floyd uh the former first round pick of the bears ed rusher who was a bit slow to develop in chicago goes to the rams has a hell of a first year with the rams and now the rams are just getting a long-term deal uh you better believe ryan pace blew that one I don't see a lot else that interests me here in the signings. I, I James Conner remaining unsigned, it, it just terrifies me in that, like, if it goes on long enough, does he just end up coming back to the Steelers? Yeah. And, you know, well, and they're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. we're fine. And it's you're just – you're not. You're objectively not if that's your starting running back. Very well could be. A um, couple more ones of note. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the Trey Hendrickson deal by the Bengals for your 60 mil. I actually like it a lot. I think Trey Hendrickson was the most underrated defensive end in football last year. He had 13 and a half sacks. Nobody talked about him. I think guys who play defense for New Orleans are perpetually underrated. Yep. That everybody's always talking about the offense there. The defense doesn't get a lot of respect. Uh, turns out Lattimore might not be back this year, so we'll see. Really? It's, <laughs> things are getting that serious. Well, he was arrested in, uh, as what was it, as part of a... With guns and drugs. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and a stolen gun. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I might not, I might not be right. Like, I assume that most places in America getting caught with a stolen gun is going to put you in jail. Um... Maybe not. It's it's a it is a um, is a different place than Canada for sure. It definitely will in New York State, but he was in Ohio, I believe, at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Not what I'd want to see if I'm on the team, right? Like if I'm in the front office, I'm like, oh, well, this isn't the kind of uh, character we're looking for from our number one cornerback. It's got Javaris Crintonton, Aaron Hernandez written all over it. And it just astonishes me that these guys will make it to the NFL and not give up that bullshit. Yep. No, absolutely. Yep. You know? uh, the, the example I just gave, Javaris Crintonton, uh, currently serving 30 years to life, I think, for murder. Uh, first round pick of the Lakers. They say as soon as he got drafted by the Lakers, first thing he did when he moved to L.A. was join the Bloods. Yeah. Like, like what? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, you first round pick out of Georgia Tech, you get drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe's still playing for them; they're still competing for titles. And the first thing you do is drive out to Compton and, and join the gang. The Bloods? Yeah, like what? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, I. Yeah, easy for me to say a, a white guy that was you know grew up in a middle class oh. family in suburbia, but you know, I just I can't relate to why that would be a choice. Yep. Um, Plenty more here. T- can I can I do T.Y. Hilton here? Yep, T.Y. Hilton. I, I, it sounds like the Ravens offered him more money. And he just didn't want to. Yeah. Well, 
I think he couldn't live with himself if by chance Carson Wentz did pan out and right. the Colts were very good this year and he wasn't a part of it. I think that kind of had something to do with it. I think he wants to see what Carson Wentz in year one can do. Yeah, my my only thought here is if I'm T.Y. Hilton and you are a listen, T.Y. Hilton's a very good route runner. I don't want to like under uh, undersell that, but he is primarily a speed guy. And he's thirty one. And he's thirty one. So and he's taken. He's got some mileage for a little guy. What the hell are you, you know, doing signing one year deals at thirty one? Like if somebody would have given you four with mostly guaranteed money, you got to go get that. Um, of course, the Ravens having struck out on Hilton, then uh, went and gave Sammy Watkins a one year six million deal. Yeah, uh, so good for Sammy Watkins. Playing, good spot yeah, good, for him. Good for Sammy Watkins. But if you're playing fantasy football, forget about Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Ravens can only really support one wide out and. And that's it's a deep shot Mar- artist. Yeah, yeah, it's Marquise Brown. Yeah, a guy like Miles Boykin, you know, they're basically talking about converting him to, to tight end because, I mean, if you're a Ravens wideout, you can't even get the ball if you pay money for it. Yeah. Uh, one quick one I got to get off my chest. A couple quick ones. Uh, Patrick PP7 Peterson trading his red Cardinals jersey for a purple Vikings jersey. I like it. I think uh, I think he will eventually shift to safety for the Vikings. Yeah, and I think he's going to have another good five six years of safety. I and you gotta think that um, a, a deal like that is Minnesota realizing that they just gave up way too much on the defensive side, right? Like that was that was a total rebuilding year for them and they had all rookie corners yeah and they were like eh, you know this might actually be too much rebuilding <laughs> let's let's bring in a couple bodies here bring in a coach who happens to play right yeah so i, I think there's a lot uh that can happen there uh what was one of the other ones i want to mention uh kenny drake this one was real weird for me because i think it speaks volumes to what the raiders think of uh josh jacobs uh to bring in Kenyon drake on yeah. a two-year, 50-mil deal. I thought that was a peculiar one. I felt like Jacobs had been a good workhorse for that yeah. team, too. Yeah, but I, I think I think what this is is they don't like him on passing downs, yeah. whether he can't protect the quarterback or he can't run a route. I think what they're doing is they're paying Drake to come in to be the third down. Third down, down. yeah. And that, that takes away from Jacobs' fantasy value, obviously. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Unless you're in a, you know, old-school, non-PPR. Right. TD heavy league, right? Um, and there's very few of those that even exist anymore. Desmond King, I like that in Houston. Chidobi Awuzie, I like that by the Bengals. Yeah, Alton Smith's still out there. That's a head scratcher for me with what he just did with the Cowboys after being out of the sport for two years. Gotta wonder if there's like character issues though. Well, we are. Well, that's there's what no I'm saying. Yeah. There's no wonder there. Yeah. It's a matter. It's a matter of record. The yeah. fact that the Cowboys were like, "We're definitely not bringing you back," makes me, you know. Well, yeah. I don't think they said that. I think. Oh, I thought waiting for his cold market to develop and then like. They oh no, I don't. Connor. I think they said they weren't going to bring him. Oh. I I could be wrong. He that's might sign wrong. with them next week, but the way I read the story was that they they were done with the guy. Okay. I thought it was one of those go test the market, bring back your best deal, and we'll either match or not. I mean, um, we, we were talking about it. They don't have a lot of money to be thrown yeah. between between Zeke, Cooper, and Prescott. That's like half your cap. And then, uh, uh, 
Medvin Badnick for names. Lawrence, their defensive end. Uh, yeah. Kid out of Boise State who's making a lot of money for a little amount of sacks. Yeah. DeMarcus, DeMarcus Lawrence. Um, Malik Hooker is still out there. Uh, now I know if the Cowboys had struck out and missed on Keanu Neal, Malik Hooker was their plan B. Well, I think he's a hell of a plan A for any other team. The only problem with him in Indy was health, and I, I'd pay him to see if it doesn't happen again this year. I know that. Yep. Anytime he's been on the field, he's been a, an interception machine. And he played with Marcus Lattimore Ohio State, so I think New Orleans should bring him in. Alex Mack going from the Falcons to the 49ers. So they're adding a former Pro Bowl center, and they just gave Trent Williams the richest deal in offensive line history. Um, pretty good offseason for the 49ers O-line, but after that big draft day or big draft trade yesterday, it's sounding like they're going to be protecting someone other than Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you think? I So I am unfamiliar with this news from yesterday. Yeah, they uh, made a trade with the well. The Dolphins made two deals. Okay. First, they first they made a deal with the 49ers, and then they traded down. Uh, I think it was the Dolphins sent the third or fourth pick to San Fran for San Fran's pick, and then they sent the San Fran pick to Philly. So essentially, oh, I see this. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a first round pick to drop three spots to Philly. And then at the end of the day, they've now turned Laramie Tunsil into, I think, four first-round picks and a third-round pick. Unbelievable, eh? Yeah, so, and over the next three years, they now have six first-round picks. So shout-out to Brian Flores for, you know, he's setting them up nice for that. Uh, they just got to figure out if Tua's the guy now. So my, and on that note, they signed Will Fuller. My, so my question then is, what are you doing if you're – San Francisco like you're obviously picking a quarterback in that yeah. spot so what on, are you what are you doing on, with Jimmy G like the the word out of San Francisco a month ago was that they were committed they were in on that they weren't going to be a part of this quarterback game shit and now yeah now this that's the, that's the NFL you're committed until you're not committed right um I was looking at a mock earlier that had them taking Trey Lance uh at third overall this this um, CBS mock has them taking Justin Fields there Okay, yeah. Um, so that's assuming the Jets take Zach Wilson, who yeah. I'm glad I mentioned, you know, what, a month and a half ago because, boys, he had a fast rise up these boards. When I was talking about him at the end of the college season, I was just figuring he was going to be a mid-first-round pick. All the mocks now have the Jets taking him second overall. So. Right. Not sure how I feel about that because I was talking him up, but I wasn't talking him up to the point that I wanted my Jets to take him second overall. I think the Jets are better off uh, reaching for the stars with Justin Fields. I I wonder. I don't. I do not think it's likely. But is there a world where San Francisco did this and everybody's like, okay, of course they're taking a quarterback, and they're just going to draft an O lineman there too? Good. And they go right. They're like, we've got Williams on the left. We're going to have this rookie on the right, and we've got Alex Mack up the middle. Try to get to Garoppolo. Good luck. They very well could do that, but that's a heavy price to pay. That's a lot for yeah. a tackle, right? Yeah, for a you right tackle. You're giving up, yeah, exactly. You're, if you're giving up that kind of draft capital, yeah, usually for a quarterback, especially when you're kind of in limbo at the position, right? Yeah. Um, the ripple from this, of course, is does Garoppolo end back in New England? Um, of course, they've already re-upped with Cam Newton, and they've thrown all that money at tight ends to obviously try to help Cam Newton. Uh, it raises a lot of questions. Um, and like I said, in this mock, I see uh, 
I should probably give a shout out to who did it, Chad Reuter of NFL.com. He has the 49ers taking Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Of course, that was the school Carson Wentz came out of. Everybody loves Trey Lance, but here's the thing. He hasn't played a big school, right? So there's a lot of question marks there. Whether he's the next Logan Thomas or not, I can't tell you. Or is is he the next uh, uh, Cutler? Was it Jay Cutler who came out of the... Cutler was out of Vanderbilt. Um, and you're, you'll never catch me saying a bad word about Jay Cutler. I know. You know who I love in this draft, and the mock I'm looking at on CBS here has him going ninth to New England. Now I think this might have been from before the the uh, Garoppolo deal. I love Mac Jones. I love love. Everybody's obsessed with these guys who can run, and I'm like, that's weird. I'm staring at a quarterback who can stand in the pocket, make a quick decision, and throw the ball accurately. My only issue with Mac Jones is he reminds me of a couple other Alabama quarterbacks named A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy, and yeah. Brody Croyle, all yeah. three of which, I mean, Greg McElroy had a cup of coffee with the Jets. He's now broadcasting for the SEC Network. A.J. McCarron is a journeyman backup. And Brody Croyle was out of the sport, I think, two years after the Chiefs made him a third-round pick. There are also Alabama quarterbacks I'm forgetting, all of which do compare to Mac Jones. I'm just worried this is another Nick Saban yep. Alabama quarterback who's nope. not going to produce in the pros. Listen, I, I think it is too early to write off Tua, but there are serious questions about Tua Tugavaiola that were like, okay, well, he – take away having wide receivers who are wide, wide, wide open. Um, and and then what happens? Uh, and just on the two a note, because I yeah. did mention Will Fuller, I love the fit of Will Fuller across from Devontae Parker. And the reason I love it is Devontae Parker is a vice grip catch at, you know, a point of attack, jump ball specialist. And then you've got Will Fuller, the deep ball or the deep route blazer. So I think those two receivers complement each other very, very well. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm for fantasy reasons, I, I don't think Fuller is going to be in as good a spot with uh, Tua as he was with Deshaun. But, yeah, no, I, I think it made a lot of sense as far as pairing him with uh, Demonte Parker. Um, Here's a question, because like, this is literally the first mock I've looked at since the first ones came out after the Super Bowl. What the hell happened that Devontae Smith has fallen down these boards? Yeah, I see uh, uh, the NFL.com by Chad Reuter has him going 13 to the Chargers. Yeah, this one's saying 17. I, I Like, this guy looked like a generational player. Did. Hurt his hand in the title game, but in the first half he was like over 200 yards or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. They've got – now, the kid out of LSU, Jamar Chase, he's a stud. But, I mean, you know, is he that much better than Devontae Smith? I, I think some people are starting to wonder if Devontae Smith, um, to use a, a weird, obscure QMJHL reference, uh, kind of like an Angelo Esposito of the Quebec Ramparts, a guy who's a stud in the juniors, but, you know, kind of maxes out. I love Smith. Yeah. I, I, I think he's going to be great. Yeah. I, I If this guy goes over 10 well, let me put it this way i'm i'm looking at a fucking mock draft that has a tight end going sixth overall and i'm like uh, uh kyle pitts uh okay yeah 
Jeez, I have him going fourth overall to the Falcons, which isn't going to happen. So, yeah, like, I I get that we're in love with tight ends, but you're going to tell me you're going to take a tight end over Devontae Smith? Like, uh, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, in the the words of Will Ferrell, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. I agree. I'll tell you in this mock, I'm seeing nothing but Alabama. So we could be looking at five, six Alabama guys, um, one of which his father was a Pro Bowl corner for the Dolphins, uh, Patrick Sertain the second out of Alabama. I think you certainly can't go wrong with him in the top ten. How about the number two wideout, um, Waddle, right? Jalen Waddle. Uh, he's going to go in the top 20. Uh, then you have Mac Jones. You've got, who else? you got Sertain, I said. I feel like there's someone else I'm forgetting, but you get the drift. Yeah. Business is business as usual uh, for Alabama. Yeah, and Jones is flying up those those mocks. Like the early mocks yeah. I was seeing had him at like 25, and now he's yep. going in the top 10. So Yeah, him and Wilson have both been. But that's, it's always like that every year, right? Like yeah. the closer we get to the draft day, the premier position rises to the top, right? It's, yeah. It's the way it probably should be. And it's how it's always been in the NFL, right? It's like if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. So the teams without a quarterback are even making trades to, like, jump up and, and try Absolutely. to get something done there. Here's one. Uh, in this mock, it has your Pittsburgh Steelers taking in Alabama running back, good old Najee Harris. I think that would be a great – I know you don't want a first-round running back, but Najee Harris is a stud. And I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I just I don't want to see I don't want to see a running back coming out in the first round. Um, but I, I think Najee Harris is an exception to the rule. Every once in a while, there's an Adrian Pearson type, and you you know they're first round picks. Yeah, I think Adrian. What, what did he go first overall? Peterson? No, he was, his... believe it or not, he was like 7th or 8th overall. Yeah. If, if they ran that draft back, uh, believe me, you, he would be going a lot higher. That's, you know, that's an interesting question. Adrian Peterson. I guarantee you there's three, four busts that went ahead of him. Oh. Guys that were out of the league real quick. Sure, but like, think of the names that probably went behind him, though, too. There are two, there are two sides to oh, that coin, God. usually, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, one of them was a fourth overall pick that passed away. Uh, R.I.P. Gaines Adams. Um, Levi Brown, he was out of the league in like three years. Oh, my God. Wow. What a mess of a first round. This, uh, this actually is – I was I was sure that I was going to find names that I would move up ahead of him, and like this is a rough first round. Some Hall of Famers, though. Revis Island, Pat Willis, Marshawn Lynch, yeah. Joe Thomas, Calvin Johnson, Adrian Peterson. But then you've got the Dwayne Bowes, you've got the Aaron yeah. Rosses, you've got the Justin Harrells, the Jarvis Mosses. I mean, some pretty big busts. Moby Okoy, Jamal Anderson, Levi Brown. Oh, my God. And, of course, everybody's favorite, Purple's Zerp user, Jamarcus Russell, number one overall. Yeah. Man, what a guy. Um, Would you rather have Marshawn Lynch or Adrian Peterson? Like and is is that a, is that a crazy today? question? In their prime? No, no, not today. In uh, just as a career, like yeah, I think in their prime is probably the right way to put it. It's an easy answer. AP. It's AP, right? Yeah. Easy answer. I'm like that might be like just a straight up crazy question on my part, but I'm like, man, Marshawn, when, Marshawn, what? when he was on though, was like, yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. But it took going to Seattle, right? Like, yeah. I hate to say it, Marshawn busted in Buffalo. He, well, he wasted some years in Buffalo, for sure. He did. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, he's from the heart of California. He had never, he had admittedly never seen snow until the Bills drafted him. So I don't know if it was a climate thing. I don't know if it was a depth chart thing. Right. I know they still had Wills McGahee, I think, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we've got about 10 minutes. Any news or notes or things we haven't talked about oh that you want God, to get to today? We're certainly not short of things. Um, I'll save uh, the rest of the signings that I didn't get to for next week because there were some final takes. Let's see. We talked Sean O'Malley, Keon O'Neal. Adoree Jackson, I, I don't want to let that one go. Um, I thought the Titans made a mistake in cutting Adoree Jackson. I think anytime you have one of the fastest players in the league who actually is a skilled player at their position and they happen to play corner, I, I just I don't think you can be I don't think you can afford to be letting those kind of guys out the building. Um, Big Blue Giants snapped him up so quick, major head spin. They're going to put him opposite James Bradbury, who just had a Pro Bowl All Pro year. The Giants' defense got a lot better in a couple of days. At numerous places, they brought over. Uh, they did lose Dalvin Tomlinson. Shout out to Alabama, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love what the Giants have been doing on defense. Uh, the Broncos and the Giants have both made big improvements on defense. Their offenses uh, will be the ones that hold them back next year. Yeah, I, the Broncos have got to be looking to go a different direction in quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know that those were well, fun experiments, in, but like they just brought in Kyle Fuller from the Bears, who I thought was a mistake. They let him go. Kyle Fuller reuniting with Vic Fangio, who he had his best years under. So I think that's a great fit. Yeah. The Broncos. I didn't like the Ronald Darby signing, though. I know you don't like him. He was routinely torched for Washington last year. Um, I do have to say, get this off my chest. Uh, the way the Raiders are treating the roll line offseason has made many people scratch their heads um any they let gabe jackson go and they let rodney hudson go now those were two pro bowl mainstays on that line it's funny how they were initially planning to release both but then days later trades materialized gabe jackson now traded to seattle rodney hudson now traded to arizona i guarantee you both those players are going to upgrade both those offensive lines I like Mike my I love Mayock and I love Gruden, but I honestly am starting to wonder if some of the moves this offseason are gonna cost Mayock his job this time next year. The Kenyon Drake signing and then letting two of your Pro Bowl offensive linemen out the door. And there's no way Gruden faces the consequences for anything. Like his his oh, the yeah, contract is so prohibitive. Yeah, you know. It's gonna be Mayock before Gruden. But yeah, yeah I, I seriously am starting to wonder if this is gonna cost Mayock his job because it just I get that you want to get cheaper and younger on the offensive line, but you're getting much, much worse in the process. Yeah. Um, tiny bit of March Madness for me here. Yeah, go for it. I haven't just uh, yeah, I haven't seen a lick of anything. I've been working too much school, so take it take it away. On this. I like. There's not a ton to say here. There's more upsets than usual. It is noticeable that there is less of a crowd, um, and. The scheduling, you know, the the first weekend ending on a Monday was weird. The fact that uh, we're going to have the Elite Eight on Monday, Tuesday night is different, but still weird. Um, the thing I'll say is, like, for those of you new to this tournament, 
I will just remind you that it is great that UCLA beat Alabama. That is a fun upset to take them to the Elite Eight. Um, it is great that Oregon State beat Loyola Chicago yesterday, um, and that's a 12 seed going through to the Elite Eight. Um, but the same thing will be true this year that has been true every year, which is that the cream rises to the top. Gonzaga won by almost 20 points again today. Uh, Michigan won by almost 20 points today. The big boys are big boys. And um, as much as everybody talked about Illinois being upset right away, we've got three one seeds left that are rolling along, not looking like they're going to have any issues. Uh, and you should expect that, you know, both of them are, are probably... There, there's a real good chance that all three end up in that final four. So it's been entertaining basketball. Um, good defense played. I've really enjoyed the defensive basketball, There's especially when the refs let them play. I really like that kind of kind of ball. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The good teams are the good teams, and, and they're going to finish the job here. How's, uh, how's Iowa been doing? Because I know their big star player, Luca Garza, was getting a lot of uh, press pre-tournament yeah they didn't i mean they didn't make it out of the the 32 the round of 32 no it's it's a shame yeah um i mean Loyola chicago was a good story and i i made a few dollars betting them just because ken palm had them at like number three in the country so i was like okay give me an elite defense let's see but then you know oregon state comes through and just decides like oh what if we just make them shoot threes and uncomfortable threes the whole time you're not going to be able to do that against the league teams. Um, so the, the, the next round, I'm really, I'm really interested to see um, how quickly, like, you know, Houston is an elite team that will beat Oregon state tomorrow. You know, um, Arkansas had to fight all the way back. Well, Baylor's probably going to push their shit in tomorrow. Um, and now, you know, Michigan gets to face an 11 seed in, in UCLA and Gonzaga gets to face a six seed in USC. So, like, I, I feel like those games on Tuesday probably aren't even worth watching. And if I could parlay, you know, those two wins with, like, something else that's actually interesting, it'll be a nice little bonus. But um, this is the time of year that the upsets stop. You know, the story of March Madness is always like these Cinderella stories and the upsets or whatever. The Cinderella stories go till the Sweet 16, and sometimes they go to the Elite Eight. They almost never make it to the Final Four. Um, and so that's a, that's a thing to keep in mind if you're, you're new to this stuff. Um, the NFL is going to go to 17 games. That's a very stupid idea, right? Not if you're in the business of making money. Well, but yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, we we already can't get through the season without half the rosters on injured reserve anyway, right? So yeah, it's just going to lead to more carnage, uh, lesser quality of life later on, et cetera. And, you know, it goes back to a point I've brought up on this podcast a few times. It's like, are you running a sport or are you running a business? Yep. And these guys are running businesses. Yep. So. Too big to fail. Can I finish just with one that I should have mentioned much earlier? Yeah, in yeah. The NFL news and notes. Uh, Deshaun sure. Jackson to the Rams. Yeah, what do you um, think of that? I, I had thoughts well, too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's be real here. His second tour with Philly, he couldn't stay on the field. Like, you know, just historical type of games missed, right? 
Um, Which has always been a bit of an issue for him. It has. It has. But here's the deal on numerous levels here. He's from... He's. I think he's from... He's a, He grew up like a minute walk from where SoFi Stadium is. He's going back home. And some of his best years were under Sean McVay when McVay was in Washington. So if Deshaun Jackson can just find a way to keep those soft tissue leg injuries, because it's always soft tissue. It's always his hammy or his groin, right? It's, it's always the same story. Right? If he could somehow find a way to stay on the field in that McVay offense with Stafford, with uh, Cup and Woods out there, man, I just, oh, I really think he could do some special stuff in that McVay offense. But again, health a skill, you got to stay out there. So this is boomer bust at the highest level. I, I think we're just, we're three years too late for that guy. Yeah. Which I think I, is too I, bad. He was, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the idea of generational talent and Deshaun Jackson was a generational talent. He had the, like, I, I guess Mike Wallace is the only person I could think of as far as straight line speed goes. You know, before Tyreek Hill came into the league, we would say who is the fastest person in the league, and people would say Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It it just he he could never keep it sorted out, and you see that a lot with these speed guys too, right? Is 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 that soft tissue stuff? Yeah, it comes at a price. Yeah. It so. Absolutely does. I I'd like to see him succeed. Listen, I'd like to see the Rams succeed. Yeah. Nothing would make me happier than to see <laughs> McVeigh out there. With Matthew Stafford and a bunch of guys and just like a defense that's pretty good and just being like, all right, Maddie, like go, go flick the ball around and, and we're going to try to put a ring on your finger before you retire. Um, and I think McVay's a good enough coach that he should have a ring on his finger before he retires. Um, so I'd love to see that. I, yeah, get, get it, man. I, I, you also just hope, listen, there were, there was a lot of talk. There, there's lots of talk about guys like Deshaun Jackson. And when yep. they were run out of that Philly organization and like in some ways, maybe going back to LA is not the best thing for him. No. Yeah, uh, we were. Yeah, exactly. This kind of comes back to the Crintonton story. I told you earlier. Yeah. So hopefully he can keep his nose clean um, yep. and, and have a productive season for LA. I believe with Deshaun, it was the blue bandana and not the red. It's is factual. This is factually yep. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't, I don't anticipate he'll play a full slate of games, but don't be surprised in fantasy football. If there's a five or six game stretch, maybe it's only a three or four game, but I look for him to produce at some point. Yeah. All right. Well, it is way past my bedtime. Uh, thank you all as always for listening. My name is Charles. He's Nick Smart and we will talk to you again, hopefully next week. Uh, we, we haven't actually talked about that smart, but I would like to get back on a weekly schedule. Yeah, and uh i'm was fun. pretty sure this week we've got opening day this week or next week is going to be opening day yep so I had my second of two fantasy drafts there you go so let's, uh, by the way shout out to anyone who's ever been on the clock while doing a fantasy draft it's pretty cool on the on the clock as in <laughs> yeah, at work yeah 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 that's those those are those are fun drafts yeah. um i was it was my first one it was really fun yeah i did i did one supervising a call center and it was like just <laughs> It, like the chaos of trying to supervise a call center and do a fan, oh. like the chaos of a fantasy draft at the same time. It was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you later.